Another great episode of Red Sea Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you hear, please go to our website, redsearadio.org, and donate to our apostolate, or even become a member of our Immaculata Recurring Gift Society and keep us on the air. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Welcome. Welcome back to this edition of Red Sea Roundup. I am the host for the day, Pam Marvin, and I am not just excited because I say that too much. I want to say that I am overjoyed to have in the studio with me today for an interview, Father Jacob Herleman. Welcome. Thank you so much, Pam. It's so good to have you. I had the honor and pleasure of going to the new St. Mary's mm-hmm. It's not really a cathedral, but you think of it because it's so grand, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, And so I got to go to Mass at 6 p.m., and I saw you after Mass and thought, wow, I'd love to get him on the radio. You were very gracious to agree to it. And as our listeners know, oftentimes what we like to do is get a, a real gauge for your vocation story because we always love to get those out there for the young men and possibly young women with religious um, aspirations to really find out how the Lord moved in your heart and what your story looks like. So with not any more further ado, I would like for you to begin like where you grew up and family life and things like that. So I'm sure you've told this before a few times. A couple times. Yes. Um, yeah. So funny you mentioned, um, and being overjoyed. I mean, the, this entire, I guess it's still what less than a week ago that we had our dedication here, really the, um, almost a trudum, if you will, we had the Vespers with Bishop Mike on Friday, which was incredible. He gave a wonderful homily about the history of St. Mary's and everything. And then the dedication, um, that was one of the most beautiful masses that I've been at. My parents had the good fortune of being able to attend, and I chatted with them this week, and they were saying that, um, that like, just describing my own, like my face, just how uh, overjoyed I was. Just It was myself just beyond, it was beyond words. Mm-hmm. Just the beauty of certainly the physical church, the the emotions running through, certainly and, for myself, stepping in, you know, I'd been maybe here for three, three and a half weeks or so at that point. So um, stepping into this beautiful space and seeing how many people, how many prayers, how much time, commitment, the energy, um, the donations, just everything that fed into this gorgeous place. That Yeah, I, I just um, want to pause for a second because we have listeners all the way over in Waco, too, who may not know much about this. Maybe they've oh, heard yeah. about it, right? But if you are ever in town um, from outside of the Bryan College Station area, please make an effort to go to this new St. Mary's Church here in College Station, the Aggie Catholic Student Center um, area, and because it is, it's incredible. It, it literally moved me to tears two or three times just going to the Sunday evening mass. It's, it's just quite, it, it does the job of that half step between heaven and earth. Let me just say that. That's maybe a bit more than half. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I would agree with that too. So yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. Continue. So, um, yeah, I guess everything in a way, like it seems like everything's kind of led to this point. So, um, I myself, um, so I'm 28 years old. Some may think that I look young and that's cause I do, I am, 
um, 28 and a half years old. <laughs> uh, let's see. So I was born and raised in Austin, Texas. Mm. Um, I uh, let's see, born and raised in Austin, Texas. My family Catholic. They were involved in the um, at St. Vincent de Paul, my home parish. Um, and because they were involved with ministries, my folks were both extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion. My father was a lector, um, which then meant that my brother and I were also involved. So I remember some of my earliest memories growing up of just various ministry activities where we would go to nursing homes to distribute Holy Communion to the um, to the residents there. So my brother and I were lectors, and of course all the all the old ladies were so you know were so overjoyed. Um, again, that you know they're they're ecstatic. You know they're having a really good time. My brother and I were having a good time. You know, um, being doted upon, whatnot, and then. Um, you know, grew up seeing my father and mother up on the altar made me desire to do something similar. So I was um, an altar server from about fourth grade on mm. or so, um, both at the parish and at my school. I went to Catholic school from kindergarten through 12th grade. Really? My kindergarten year, actually, Holy Family Catholic School opened up. Um, it was in portables. And then um, the next year moved into its current location right next to St. Vincent de Paul. And then after eighth grade, um, they were planning and then opened St. Dominic Savio Catholic High School right next door to Holy Family Catholic High School. So, or excuse me, Catholic school. So really my entire Catholic life was lived on more or less one block on Nina Avenue. So mm. still remember all the, the various routes and avoiding traffic and all those things. But for 18 years of my life, taking all the exact same turns, whether it was Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, sometimes even on Saturdays. So... Ministry-wise, was involved in altar serving, um, involved in the Boy Scouts as well. Which are you an Eagle Scout? I am. My yes. son is too. Which, oh, wonderful. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's like a year younger than you are. Excellent. It's yeah. pretty cool. So, and that was um, certainly the the service aspect of of scouting was very important, and not to mention obviously the the leadership as well. I mean, with the Eagle Project, as I'm sure you're aware, it's so much more so than just the final product that's put out, but rather it's the entire all the all the, I don't know, however many, I think I had like a thousand hours, thousand man hours. That was myself and all the volunteers um, that we logged, but just all the work that goes into planning so and much. preparation for projects along those lines. Mm -hmm. Well, then you got to say what it was. So it was at my, at my um, elementary school at Holy Family, developed a little prayer garden. So a statue of St. Michael on a little pedestal, um, did some landscaping work with mulch and um, poured concrete and put limestone rocks in, a bench set up. Um, then crushed limestone in near a drainage area where it was just mud. Mm. Um, they've recently, um, I know. So, so every now and then when I go to St. Vincent de Paul, not as often as used to, but um, swing by, kind of check out what the current status of the project is, and I and it's um, it's hidden behind and it's hidden behind certain other buildings and whatnot now. So it's harder to see and they may have um edited it i mean it's it wasn't for me it wasn't for me it was for the um it was for the school and for the right, students right. there certainly so working with um these various ministries um gave a certain we'll say the uh, a seedbed mm -hmm. if you will another huge thing that impacted my own vocation was the role of um my parents in terms of our own spiritual life i remember that we would 
not only like certainly praying before meals and praying in the evenings Mm -hmm. as well before going to bed and, you know, bringing our own petitions, our own intercessions to those prayers. Yeah. I'm really struck by your, your, the level of your father's activity. That's that's very important. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, he um, mentions constantly that it was like, and I think this is uh, similar to really any father, but it was when I was born, I'm the oldest of two. Um, that when I was born, he uh, had more of a desire. He recognized a greater need for his own involvement in the right. church, okay. which led him deeper into his own faith, his own involvement in ministries. Beautiful. But they were very good, both my parents, about inviting our priests over, inviting seminarians mm, over, so that we could see nice. that they're just, you know, they're regular people too, you know, mm-hmm. that they uh, that they enjoy good food, that they enjoy hanging out with folks, that they're just not always... Um, you know, kind of like monastic. I think some of us sometimes have an image of priests and seminary. And certainly this was my kind of mental conception of the seminary um, of just everyone's kind of going around and the classic, everybody's going around praying and things mm. along these lines. And certainly, you know, prayer is a key part and a very big role in seminary life, but it's um, it's not everything that we do. No, I find the seminarians are a little more approachable because they're not quite as busy. So oftentimes sure. we... I, I don't invite the priests as much because I know they're horribly mm-hmm. busy and I feel like it puts them in kind of a predicament sometimes like, you know, I really should, I want to, but I'm so busy, you know, I, so I feel mm-hmm. like, oh, I hold back. But if it's a group of us to get together and I see some of my girlfriends and I will get together and um, as a group invite them over, which works out really well. So they're getting to see many families at once. Um, yeah. So this, um, yeah. So seeing the priests as, uh, as these regular folks really, um, really helped as well. And just encountering them, hearing their stories, hearing where they came from, their own backgrounds, um, continued to, I guess, provide a seedbed. And really the spark, we'll say, um, the one of the initial seeds, to continue to use that analogy, that mm-hmm. um, really prompted this, the, my own vocation story was, can't quite remember ever the year. Um, I could go back. Anyways, um, it was Christmas Day, we were on family vacation um, back east, and Christmas Day Mass at the elevation of the host, at the words of consecration, priests standing there behind the altar, and just what I recognized at that time is just a thought popped into my mind, which I now recognize as the Holy Spirit placing this on my heart was, you know, that's I could see myself standing there saying those words, holding the, mm. holding the host. I could see myself on the other side of that altar. That's mm. a that's something that I could do. And that never really went away. Um, and there's not too, too many opportunities for middle schoolers um, to really pursue vocation. There's certain opportunities. And, you know, altar serving provided one of those primary ways in those couple years left of middle school that I was able to more be present around the altar, be present intentionally in this way, explore this. Um, but that... Um, and I shared this with my parents and they've been, thankfully, they were incredibly supportive of my entire um, vocation throughout middle school, throughout high school, um, up to well, up to now and certainly continuing on throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, but so. That was, a, that was the, the, but it was a yes. seed, but obviously fertile ground, right? Yes, so exactly. It so it's all, well. yes, absolutely. And then. Um, was in conversation with uh, my pastor, with Father, now Bishop Danny out in Monterey. Um, 
I remember going to, he had then also the role of personal invitation of he inviting myself and another young man to. How old were you about that time? I was, see, this is perhaps eighth grade, we'll say. Oh, okay. So um, not high school yet even. No, not yet. So there was already, um, so I was old. I remember still, like, even from that time on, like, what do you want to do when you get older? Oh, I want to be a priest. So there was this, oh. there was already this understanding. Even throughout high school, there was a recognition that eventually seminary would be something that I would pursue. Perhaps, and we'll see, you know, where seminary leads from there, if it sure. leads to ordination or if it's just a few years time. Um, but there was an understanding that I would go to seminary eventually. Mm-hmm. So began throughout high school, exploring it more intentionally with the various avenues that were open in the Diocese of Austin. Um, there's the discernment dinners. I remember going to St. Williams and nearby parish yes. for discernment dinners, encountering priests there, hearing some of their experiences, encountering other young men, discerning the priesthood as well, mm -hmm. who would um, just share their own experiences, their own prayer lives. Now, um, did you ever have times where it's like the evil one kind of got in there and started going, no, this isn't really for you. Don't you want to do X, Y, Z? Or don't you want to explore this evidence? Like I'm looking at barriers mm -hmm. that you may have personally come across during this, this time period, or was it just all smooth sailing? Smooth sailing would be a strong word. <laughs> um, it was, by and large, it was, so more or less when I set my mind to something, I try and see it through. So there was, on the one hand, there was that continued impetus to, like, no, this is something that I desire to do. So I'll, you know, try and overcome whatever barriers are placed. And the means, I guess, to do that were primarily through prayer, mm -hmm. um, through continued closeness to God, through times of adoration, through continued going to priests, to mentors, to um, to our vocation director as well. Oh, who was that? Father Brian McMaster. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's the one who accepted me. And then, um, yeah, the, actually the year after I was accepted, he, um, he came here and um, then Father Jonathan became our vocation mm -hmm. director. And who is it now? Oh, Father Greg. Father Greg, yes. Yeah. Father Greg Gerhardt. So a bunch of Aggies. That's right. St. Mary's is a stepping stone for, you know, vocation director. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> just be prepared. <laughs> yeah. No, so it actually, um, there was always, as well as um, throughout high school, there was as well the you know, the classic desire, you know, the, um, be successful in the world, um, to pursue, pursue the dreams on this earth, pursue goals. And not that that's bad. And certainly God works with those and we achieve sanctity through our state in life. So, and this is in no way, shape or form to detract from any of that, but yeah. Yeah. But I want to like your definition mm -hmm. in high school of success, because that's a very important thing in these day and yes. times. So kind of go into that a little bit too. So my dad was an electric engineer and I was always kind of engineering minded myself. So I had this, this weird simultaneous dream of, okay, I'm going to go into seminary, but I'm also going to pursue engineering at a, a, a university. Um, and we'll see just kind of where that leads. So throughout high school, I was in the STEM courses. We were doing various work with, um, I don't know, inventing things and, well, maybe not inventing, reinventing perhaps, um, all the various techno, the technical aspects of preparing documents and learning to be engineers, which then laid the, uh, the groundwork for my desire to be an aerospace engineer in particular. So there was, which led itself to this 
mm-hmm. which led to a desire to um and so there were like these two warring desires you could say okay um within like okay do i give my life over to god or do i follow my own my own earthly dreams mm-hmm. you know all the success of the world so like okay you know presumably you know ideally make a decent figure salary and you know drive the and this is all like in the dream stage there was it hadn't been realized or anything like that but you know have a you know great house family car the whole shebang um live the comfortable life mm-hmm. could say and that was really throughout, especially junior and senior year of my high school time. I was still simultaneously discerning, um, simultaneously going through, um, and then you know exploring. Okay, what, what uh, universities do I apply to? Okay. Um, Drum roll, please. Yes. <laughs> so I was, and with all of that, I. Um, Senior year, especially, or junior year, maybe it was like waffling back and forth. Do I enter seminary right out of high school or do I apply to university first and then perhaps enter seminary after that? Because again, seminary was still something that was a place, uh, it was a life that I was going to lead eventually. Perhaps not immediately, but it was something that was still, it was an eventuality. Mm -hmm. It was a question of when as opposed to if. Okay. Um, or at least, the, at least the application process. Right, right. You got me in pins and needles. I love this story. <laughs> this is great. Go ahead. And the so senior year, I um, I decided to end up applying to to a university, to a state university. I applied to four, um, one of which was A and M because I just absolutely fell in love with the campus. I did not grow up in Aggie. I'm not going to say what I grew up as. <laughs> well, you live in Austin. <laughs> yes, okay, exactly. Sorry, we understand. Right. You're forgiven. No. Uh, I don't know how many uh, how many listeners here are Longhorns. Um, yeah, so I grew up. I did grow up as a Longhorn, having grown up in Austin. Both my parents came from the East Coast. So there wasn't a like a a attachment to a particular university here in the state. So, so there's no legacy involved there. So. Correct. There's okay. no legacy. So you're so you're good. You're good. No. <laughs> But I, when I came here, fell in love with the campus, um, with St. Mary's, mm-hmm. with with uh, with the Corps of Cadets as well. Um, was very attracted by that life. The, I can see that with the discipline and your yes, engineering absolutely. brain and all that. Yeah. yeah. So I applied to, was accepted by A&M. This is back in the day whenever you were accepted to your major in engineering. So I was accepted as an aerospace engineering major. All the classes were your standard um, Calc 218 um, these various other, you know, the engineering, um, physics, chemistry, all of those, what have you classes. Right, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was accepted. I entered the Corps of Cadets as well you in did. Army ROTC. Yes. Oh my goodness. That was an incredible experience. Um, learned so much about. So you it, survived the freshman year, the fifth year. I did, year. yes. Wow. Okay. I know a little bit about that. It was, um, yeah, it was quite the time. That was right when the quad was beginning to be renovated. Okay. So not too, yeah. too many. A uh, few things have changed on campus. A since lot has changed. Back yes. in my day, things are a little different, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. But that was, it actually provided that disciplined life, provided many opportunities to, um, for the spiritual life as well. It's very, um, in a way, can be very meditative because mm. you're, you don't talk a lot as a freshman. You're talked to and you respond with, Yes, sir. No, sir. No excuse, sir. 
And then let's see the last one, not being informed to the highest degree of accuracy. I hesitate to articulate for fear that I should deviate from the true course of rectitude. Sir, I think I got I it. I think I still remember it. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. This is gets ever even better by the moment. Go ahead, please. So it was in uh, B1 with all my fish buddies. There were a total of 12 of us, 12, 13 of us, like somewhere right around there. Um, and throughout this process, um, just going to class, I was able to actually incorporate the, through, the, through the routine, through like morning formation, evening formation, started incorporating morning prayer and evening prayer right around those time frames as well. So I'm like, okay, well, this structured life, it really does help being able to then lead, um, to lead to almost like a quasi-monastic secular. It's like this weird kind of mix sort of mm, thing that I had in my head. Interesting. But then, so because of my involvement with the core, um, it consumed more or less all my free time. So I was coming here to St. Mary's just about, um, certainly not just about, I was coming here every Sunday and coming here on occasion to pray um, as well. But my involvement outside in any organizations was not, um, any organizations here at St. Mary's was not as um, involved as I would have liked, but it wasn't just really a possibility. It's not, not in the core, exactly. not as a freshman. Yeah. So, so uh, excuse me, second semester, I was, uh, I did get involved with the Knights here. Um, I actually, it was funny. I, uh, I was um, enrolled as a Knight here, entered into third degree here, and I never changed my registration. So throughout seminary, throughout um, my time at various assignments, throughout my time at the cathedral, even I, um, I was always registered as a knight here at St. Mary's. So then coming back, I'm like, oh, great. I don't actually need to change. <laughs> don't need to go through all that paperwork. There you go. But the, what changed my mind in the course of that, because the initial assumption was, okay, I'm going to enter a and I actually had a conversation with Father Brian McMaster about this saying, when I told him that, and we've been conversing back and forth for months about, um, about kind of where, where I would be going. Um, do I go to seminary right out of high school or do I go to A&M first and then um, continue on to seminary afterwards? And I mentioned, well, you know, maybe there's the possibility that, and I mentioned the senior, maybe there's a possibility that I leave partway through and then, um, and then enter seminary. He said, well, you know, not many people do that. Um, you know, you'll <laughs> okay, just, fall, you'll just fall in love, you'll fall in love with A&M a little bit. <laughs> so my and the fall semester was filled with the freshmen, you know, the existential questions. You know, what am I, who am I? What am I doing here? Where am I going in my life? And even though I had a kind of general schema in my mind, there was, um, by and large, there were still, there were still these questions that were being asked. Like, okay, you know, what, what is it that I want out of life? Um, how is it that my desires correspond to what life can offer me? And my mom had informed me about an upcoming retreat, the Heart of Jesus retreat that was going mm. on. And I, ex I, you know, accepted the invitation from her. I'm like, you know what, why not? Um, at this point, going on these discernment retreats was something that was almost a habit. Whenever one came up, I would be like, yeah, let's go. I wasn't too, too sure what the outcome of it would be. Um, for me, it was just, yeah, you know, it would, it would be good to go pray even, just get away at the end of the semester, you know, kind of collect myself, um, have a fresh start going into, going into spring semester. Um, went on that retreat. There was a line that I was praying with that stuck out to me that he who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Mm. And it was praying through that and meditating on that, my experiences from the past semester, from all the years, recognizing that 
just I could see almost clearly my life as it was currently leading was almost on rails that I didn't, it wasn't that I wasn't free, but that there was a certain, my life is, my life is leading me as opposed to me leading my life. That distinction. Right, right. I can, I can sense a little bit of like duplicity in your life at that mm. point. Like I'm leading this life, but really over here is who I really am. Yes. Yeah. Okay. There's this desire that is, there's this desire in my heart that was not being addressed. Mm -hmm. I was not being fulfilled. So recognizing that I, yeah, I guess set my mind to it, if you will. Um, just said, okay, you know what, Lord, this, this is what you want. Then, you know, let's not, let's not delay it any let's longer. Let's not mess around. So mm -hmm. let's get after it. So I informed my parents on, it was Christmas night. Of oh, this is after one semester at school. This is at one wow. semester at A&M okay. on Christmas night of 2024. And so Father Brian was, um, Father Brian was there and I, you know, had a conversation with him. I was there like, okay, you know, I think I, I would, um, I'll apply at this juncture of my life. Um, I know we had that whole conversation a couple months ago about not leaving A&M or like what the possibility of that would be after one, after, you know, only a couple of years. Um, but I think now is the time really to, uh, to apply that. Otherwise it would be, you know, after, after I finished my freshman year, you know, I would want to finish sophomore year and then halfway done, you know, or probably would have taken a victory lap being in the core and everything and being in engineering. But, you know, most of the way done to completing a degree. And then after that, I would want to, you know, make use of either, you know, pursue a master's or make use of this degree that I, that I've um, spent time pursuing that my parents have invested all their energy and money in as well. Um, and I would want to go and make use of this. And then, you know, then who knows, that's already 10 some odd years down the road and who knows what the future would have and, you know, who I would meet along those lines. So at this juncture in um, winter of 2014, I Christmas, told, I love it. it was Christmas. Christmas night. So I guess it comes back to Christmas. Christmas mm -hmm. day was where my vocation was born. And then Christmas day as well, where I made that, where I made that decision. I told my parents that I was going to apply was accepted by the Diocese of Austin into formation that following spring. And I mean, so briefly, the rest is history. But yeah. just, so I was accepted. And then somehow through AP credit, certainly nothing applied. Nothing transfers really from aerospace engineering into philosophy. <laughs> so I entered. I see where you're going with this one too. I entered at St. Joseph Seminary College in Louisiana, spent mm -hmm. three years studying there. Although I, it was three years it was like 18 hour semesters. So there was a little bit of jockeying and jostling of schedules around, but I was able to, um, to complete that degree in three years, spent wonderful time over there at the monastery. Where um, is that in Covington? In Covington, Louisiana. Yeah. Yes. Right on the North side of Lake Pontchartrain. Mm -hmm. I'm familiar. It's a beautiful location. I still um, make it a point to go back out there for retreats and just spending time. It's an incredibly peaceful. As soon as you cross that bridge, it just, it really transports you to, to God. It's incredible. And so I graduated, still class of 17. So class of 17 would have been either at A&M or at, um, at St. Ben's, St. Joseph's Seminary College. Mm -hmm. Throughout that time, I continued coming back to A&M, visiting my buddies, whatnot, my, uh, my, my core buddies. Mm -hmm. It was a good time. Then my brother followed me here, so I visited him as well. So maintaining my ties to A&M, um, still absolutely loved campus loved St. Mary's mm -hmm. here. You can see that. And after, see, 
after I graduated from St. Ben's, then um, Bishop asked me to study in Rome. So I continued on and in the summer of 2017, moved over to Rome, studied at the Gregorian for three years. So followed a couple years behind Father Chris there. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. That was a so, wonderful so experience. Help us for the, the lay people like this extra, because was that still part of seminary? Like yes. it could have either been done here or in Rome? Correct. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. So um, there, it's, a, it's a theology program. So I was mm-hmm. not yet ordained. I was still about four years or so from ordination. So in that process, I was learning theology over there. And did you learn to speak Italian as well? Yes. Yay! Yes, so because the classes are taught in Italian. Oh, they are. So so the classes were taught in Italian. So just imagine, I mean, we had like a summer of learning Italian. We had maybe an intensive month of Italian. But um, nevertheless, as soon as you step into a classroom on day one and your, I think it was our second class was Christology taught entirely in Italian by a Belgian priest who speaks Italian with an accent. Not that I knew the difference. (laughs) And just all this information, just it was one of the most intense classes um, in terms of information, just being fed through a fire hose in Italian. Um, It was, I think I um, kind of like the headache went away right around December, sort of. About to explode, yes. Exactly. Especially with a second language. Mm -hmm. But I mean, certainly the information in terms of theology um, was incredible. Um, the friendships that I made, both Americans and the other nationalities who were present in that classroom was amazing. Mm. Returned home after, well, so I was there for, let's see, I studied at the Gregorian for three years. That first summer, so summer of 18, I went to Tanzania on mission trip with Father Sam Bass, um, a brother priest for the Diocese of Austin. Um, and another seminarian as well, now a priest, Father Dustin Bussey from Diocese of Portland in Oregon. And so we were in Tanzania for a mission for one month with the priests there. And that really gave me a sense of just the the urgency of proclaiming the gospel. Mm. Of just, you know, we're some, because there it's still in the first evangelization. Like here we're in the new evangelization of re-evangelizing the culture, the people. But there it's about you know, they're still converting from paganism. So it's, okay, what are the basics? What are we really trying to say here? It's, okay, there's an immortal soul. Every single one of us has an immortal soul that will continue on after death. And there's places that it can go. You know, what are the last things? Heaven, hell, death, judgment. So your soul can go to heaven or hell after death. You want to go to heaven? All right, here's what you got to do. Here's the 10 commandments, just teaching them the basics. And I was mentioning, and we were talking about this afterwards, after our experience there, that so often in the West, we have this tendency to to not necessarily confuse intentionally, but to I'm trying to think of the word, but it's it's so much simpler than oftentimes we make it out to be. It's not easy by any stretch of the imagination, but the Christian message, the gospel message is so incredibly clear and it's incredibly urgent and needed. Mm-hmm. That was one of the sure. big things that came out of my experience in Tanzania. Okay. Father Jacob, if I can. Of course. Um, what did your time in Tanzania maybe um, teach you about um, maybe how sometimes we in America and kind of first world countries um, maybe take for granted our 
our access to the sacraments when I'm mm. sure like in a place like that, they have less access to the sacraments probably. Oh, absolutely. It's so there were three priests that we were with um, and they were serving really one who was in charge of the nov novitiate and then two priests who were on quote, like on duty, if you will. So they, these two priests then were the ones who were going out to the various out villages in a massively, in a huge area. They were responsible for many, many villages in the, in this neck of the woods. So there were locations that didn't receive mass that did not receive the sacraments that didn't see a priest for months at a time, if not an entire year. Mm -hmm. So every time that the priest rolled up, the, the children were so excited um, to see, to see the priest, partly because the priest normally brought candy, but that's <laughs> beside the point. It's okay. So it's good. It works. Yeah. You know, whatever, yeah, whatever yeah, it yeah. takes, but as every village we went to, they were so gracious that they were so welcoming that we had mass. Then the, People would come up, the villagers, they were saying that it's only for incredibly important occasions that they would bring meat, you know, that they would eat meat. And every single village we went to, we were eating goat. Mm. It was just the reception was incredible. There were various, you know, dance. They put on their best clothes, incredibly colored right. dresses that the women were wearing, the suits that the men were wearing, just in these wow. dusty. And then, I mean, it's all dirt. I mean, it's, it's all dirt and straw and sticks that they construct these, these churches, if they have a church, these rooms out of. And it's like the, the dancing performances that were put on in right. celebration. I mean, it was, it was an event when the priest came. It was the, one of the events of the year. Mm. It was incredible. And that's so beautiful because I, I say oftentimes uh, on the show and the podcast how right now we're living through the poverty of prosperity. Mm. Very much so. And I think we should be that way, not just about the priests arriving, but as they arrive at mass that the, I think, you know, especially the pandemic really brought that home for me in a very large way. It's one of the, the positive things that Christ brought out of that is when it was taken away from us was one of the more horrifying things in my life and more, I can't even describe it. Yeah. <clears throat> so now I mean, I really celebrate every time you guys walk down the mile, I, I walk down the aisle, you know, I'm like, thank you for their vocation, Lord. Thank you for this church being open. Thank you that we are able to see Holy Communion. Amen. Yeah. So anyway, I want to catch you back up to, um, so you're in seminary, you're there, you're in Rome. And then after Rome. So after Rome, I was, well, I was ordained. Yeah. Where so, were you ordained? I was, so I was ordained as a deacon at St. Vincent de Paul in Austin, my home parish. Wow. And then a year later, I was ordained in June, June 11th of 2022 in St. Vincent de Paul in Austin, my home parish oh. as a priest. That was incredible. Just okay. all the memories that came flooding back. The last dedication that I was at before St. Mary's here was at St. Vincent de Paul some 10, 11, 12 years ago or so, wow. which brought back a few memories itself. Is that new then? Yes. So the, the parish is maybe the parish was founded the year after I was born. Okay. So it's been, I was kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to come to A&M um, is because, okay, so, you know, new parish, new elementary school, new high school, let's go to university that's been around for like 150 years or so. <laughs> that was attractive to me. Pretty cool. So I was ordained as a priest in June of 22. And then mm -hmm. I was assigned to the cathedral in Austin, in downtown Austin, um, or as an associate, there's no guarantee. There's you serve at the pleasure of the bishop, sure. and certainly pastors as well. But as an associate, there's no time. Really, there's no like, okay, you're going to be here for X number of years. It's you've been assigned to this parish to assist. Um, in my case, Father Daniel Liu, the rector at the cathedral. 
And okay. so I was there and for, just for loved how long? It for one year. One year. Okay. Yes. So this was last summer that I had been assigned there. And then, so I've been, you know, working the, just getting my feet wet as a priest, learning what it means to be a priest. But it's, you know, it's my first year. I don't have any experiences of just being a priest as a priest. I only had experiences of being a priest at St. Mary Cathedral. So with the school, I was present, um, teaching some of the classes to children, teaching theology of the body, um, wow. just getting used to the sacramental life celebrating mass every day, hearing confessions, preparing homily, just getting into the rhythm um, was, it was an incredible blessing to be there and all the various experiences and opportunities that were available, meeting just so many great people. And I found out that um, and during Holy Week that I was going to be uh, reassigned, which was surprising after one, one year, year yeah. but found out I was coming here. Wow. Very excited to that be After one year here. being After a one year, yes. <gasps> well, well, I sure have enjoyed already. Like, I can see why that you're here. I mean, it's it's obvious because of your love of the university. Mm. Um, for those of you that haven't heard his homilies, which I have, um, very, very good. Um, and when I say that, I mean, it's like, it is done in such a way that it's deep yet not too overbearing. Well, not overbearing. What the word about being too heady? Overwrought. Well, maybe so. Maybe that's. Mm. <laughs> but it's it's just you're just on point. Let's say it that way. I'll describe what you're not, but what you are. It's just it's most beautiful to see that. But um, you know, kind of during our time together so far, I've been kind of sensing a little bit about your priestly heart. Mm. And so I'm going to ask you if I'm sensing the right things. Is like it really sounds like you're very service oriented. Yes. Oh, certainly. Um, that was so through a variety of experiences throughout seminary in Tanzania, certainly Boy Scouts as well. Um, I was actually talking with uh, David Dominguez here, seeing if I would be able to, fortunately, like right now today, I think as we're speaking, they're down in Houston um, in street ministry. Mm. So it's going, you know, evangelizing or even just talking with the um, uh, homeless, the um, folks just in need down in that mm. neck of the woods. Um, so just chatting with him, seeing what the possibilities for down the road um, would be for, you know, experiencing that for, you know, spring break coming up, what the plans are for that. Um, so much. But even, and like certainly that's present within the Bryan College Station area, but on a spiritual, not to overly spiritualize, but certainly the spirituality is present and absolutely necessary. The That's one thing that led me to the priesthood as well is just the desire to, to be poured out mm. that there was a book, the title of a book, fairly famous by, um, uh, Bolton Sheen, the priest is not his own, mm -hmm. that the life that I lead is no longer my own, that it's informed. Yeah. It's, you know, the life that I lead is that of Christ, the priest living through me, but it's informed, not exclusively reactionary, but it's informed by the needs, by the, the lives of those around me. And, you know, my priesthood is going to look different at St. Mary Cathedral as it is here at St. Mary Student Center. I think you're really going to enjoy it. I can see you um, heading up the Frashati trip at spring break. I can see that yes. too, you know, with your scouting background and everything and celebrating mass on the side of a mountain. Yes. No, that. <laughs> Does that resonate with you? I don't know. Sounds good to me. <laughs> but the service part too, I think is yes. really quite beautiful. Yeah. 
That and I think um, so. My patron saint, my confirmation saint, is Saint John Bosco, who I'm oh, thrilled to、man. see a stained glass window. Oh, me in too. The I was too. Yeah. So, but the the aspect of teacher.、Um, so I studied moral theology、um, in Rome in a particular way.、Um, my final year, my fourth year over there. So I began a began a particular degree in that. So I just enjoy whether it's terms of an actual classroom setting or in terms of、um, just like. Encounters I have where people try and I'm not so much stump the priest, but it's、uh, you、I、know、like、what do you, father what do you、oh. think about this particular situation here whether it's a real situation or a hypothetical. Okay, so I look forward to some of your、uh, Catholicism 101 recordings. <laughs> like keep it those are the podcasts that they have. So I look forward to hearing some of those. Okay,、yeah. um, and off air we can talk about some topics I'd love to hear. Sounds great. <laughs> but、um, father's time has gone by. So quickly, this has been so much fun. You were just such a delight to have here in the studio. To Welcome、here. to back to St. Mary's. Thank you. I think your time of here is going to bless everyone as well as yourself. I mean, I can just tell that you're such a great fit for it.、Uh, but before we wrap up today, would we, you go ahead and give us your priestly blessing? Certainly. Yeah. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty, ever-living God. We give you thanks for the gift of this day, for the many ways that you bless us, constantly. Those that we recognize and those which we may never know. We ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to be with us this day in particular, to be able to recognize that constant movement in our lives, working to draw us ever closer to you, Lord. I ask that you would send the Spirit of consolation, of peace, of love. Of confidence in you, into the hearts of all those here present, of all those here listening. Lord, draw them all to yourself. Grant that they may be living saints here on this earth, filled with that fire of love for you. May the blessing of the Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, come upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I look forward to hearing more homilies in the future and seeing you around campus from time to time.、Absolutely. So, Godspeed, dear priest. I count on our prayers and thank you for listening today to Red Sea Roundup. My guest being Father Jacob Herleman. But until next time, my friends, go and love your neighbors.